We are so excited and thankful that you chose USI as your campus of choice. Come here and discover your possibility. University of Southern Indiana President Ron Rashan, about as energetic and enthusiastic a leader as you'll ever see. His path to higher education, it started on Roshan's home turf on the south side of Chicago, where he grew up with dreams of becoming a veterinarian. He's channeling that boyhood passion for animals and agriculture into what might be next for USI. Bring the, the intellectual development and, and, and know-how for farmers to continue to advance their craft is something I find to be extremely important. So finding ways in which we can develop something here uniquely at USI in support of the state is something I'm very, very much, very much interested in. Get to know Ron Roshan, the University of Southern Indiana's first African-American president, his dad's influence, his love for USI, and how agriculture could play a role in what's next for the university. My guest on this week's Business and Beyond podcast. The University of Southern Indiana's Screaming Eagles Fight Song, a school led by a man with a passion for people, animals, and education. Ron Roshan has come a long way from his childhood growing up on the south side of Chicago. He earned his bachelor's degree at Tuskegee University, a master's at the University of Illinois, before arriving at USI, where he has served as president since 2018. The school's first black president has raised money, revamped curriculum, and elevated USI athletics to Division I status. And I'm really pleased to be joined on the podcast this week by USI's president, Dr. Ron Roshan. And uh, Ron, thanks thanks for taking the time to join me. Oh, it's, it's a pleasure. I'm, I'm honored to be here. Thank you for the invitation. So you were named president. Uh, it's been just over five years now. Prior to that, you were you were there at USI for eight years. So you certainly have a, a good feel for the university and its mission. And I personally, you know, think USI is one of the, I, I don't know if I want to say great kept secrets of our state, but from a tuition standpoint, from an education standpoint, you can go on down the list. USI's got a lot going on down there in Southwest Indiana, give folks who may not know a really a thumbnail description of the University of Southern Indiana. You know, Gary, first of all, thank you again. You know, I, I, I always describe USI as not only one of the best kept, kept secrets in the Midwest, yeah. but also it is a campus of care. You know, we are a campus uh, intentionally outreaching to our student body. We have faculty and staff members who are accessible. They know their students by name. You know, we're intimate enough where we can actually, you know, really engage with one another in, as a community, but also, you know, that's too small where, you know, you, you, you're you on top of each other, if you if you will. It's a, it's a campus that offers a, over 130 different academic programs. We are known, as you already know, across the state, you know, with regard to engineering, health professions, the arts, I, 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 the list just goes on and on. And and I know you're going to cover this, but we are now a Division One institution as well. I'm going to women's volleyball tonight. We're playing Eastern Illinois. Uh, go Screaming Eagles. Uh, go Screaming Eagles. That's right. Uh, and I do want to talk about that in a minute because that was, uh, that was a big move to be sure. But you talk about the enrollment on campus. I, I think enrollment numbers just came out. Your overall enrollment uh, increased. I think you're uh, up to just under 10,000 students. 
Yeah, so, you know, I'll I tell you right now, this has been one of our first semesters in a long time where we are actually seeing an upward trajectory with regard to enrollment. I'm so pleased. This is both at the graduate and undergraduate levels, um, which is exciting for us. One of the things that we're focusing on right now, like many campuses around the nation, is retention. You know, I tell people that, you know, it's a blessing to have students, have families choose your campus. But what do you do when they get there? How do you receive them? How do you support them? How do you engage them? How do you retain them? How do they matriculate successfully is an important piece with regard to student success, the overall student experience. This is what we're focused on as an institution. And I take great, great pride in that, you know, to know that our faculty and staff are working together as a unit to make sure that when we partner with your family, when we say you are accepted to USI, you are a full-fledged citizen on this campus, we expect you to work hard, but know that we're working hard as well to make sure that, make sure that you're successful. I know something you've certainly been intentional about too is, is diversity. And, and I think the number uh, in terms of those those uh, enrollment numbers, I believe they're record numbers in terms of students of color and international students as well. And I know that that a special meeting for you because you're the first African-American president at USI. Yes, sir. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's a huge, huge point for us. You know, the Southwest Indiana has had a, you know, a very interesting history with regard to folks of color, as we all know. But finding ways in which we as a community brick provide this uh, this important narrative about receptivity to all people is something we take great pride in. Students across our campus are working hard to build relationships, build real authentic friendships. You know, having international students on our campus only builds that opportunity in many, many ways. I feel fundamentally that a campus with international presence is a strong university campus. A student who, a, a campus that has domestic students of color is a strong university campus. Watching those students do things that many of many people who are my contemporaries did not do very successfully or very effectively, watching us make sure that we're intentional with those efforts of building those relationships is uh, is important uh, moving forward without question. As you look, uh, Ron, I know we had our Engage Indiana series. Uh, actually, we've done it twice. The very first uh, time uh, for that event, which was a great success, you were on the panel there. And I will always remember in talking with you, and we were talking about Southwest Indiana, and you're like, you know, why not Evansville? Why not Southwest Indiana? You know, so you, you mention it with passion and with pride, and you mentioned the history there. As you look at Evansville and more broadly, Southwest Indiana, Talk about how you've seen change and evolution and, and, and how Southwest Indiana, in your view, is positioned to compete. You know, I would inform people to, first of all, come and visit. You know, I remember I had gone to Chicago where I grew up, you know, to actually ask um, members of the, of the public school system to, to allow us to, to bring their children, you know, to our, to our university. And, and immediately, Gary, I, I'm, I'm just being, you know, people are pumping the brakes, you know. Mm -hmm. Evansville, why would we go to Evansville? Um, and they had these kinds of, you know, really, I, I would say, you know, historical constructs in their minds about, about safety and about inclusion. And so one of the things that I said we'll do is, listen, we'll host you all for an evening and give you full reign of our campus, give you full reign of our city. And, and that was the most exciting piece because they began to discover themselves that this place was not only friendly and responsive and receptive, but we offer so many other opportunities. And so this is what I'm telling my, my colleagues and friends across the state, come down to Southwest Indiana, come and visit Evansville and see that the third largest city in the state of Indiana is, is, is growing. Uh, it is developing. It, is, it has so many new offerings. 
you know, businesses are here, they're thriving and relationships are developing. And I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm really proud of Amir Winicky, his administration over the many years, all the work that he has done, you know, E is for everyone has become a real mantra that we're living by, not just a slogan, but something we, tr- we truly believe in. Now, you, USI, too, uh, I know, as I've, I've witnessed, as we have covered things in Southwest Indiana, is, is intentional, too, about engaging. You, you talk about businesses locating, businesses expanding, you know, economic development. But, and USI, you, you feel it's important that USI is a part of that effort. You know, I'll tell you, even during the pandemic, um, we were very intentional. My provost and I, it was, it was uh, Dr. Mohammed Kayyum. You know, he and I, we got on Zoom calls, you know, and some, and some of the, actually some of the meetings we actually were able to do in person, but we reached out to at least 35 different CEOs within the region to talk to them about what it is that they needed from USI, you know, what our graduates were bringing to the bottom line for their organizations, for their businesses. You know, what were we, what were we missing? You know, what other attributes could we actually infuse within our curriculum? Uh, what could we bring to students to make them more, more ready, more prepared to lead? And also, what else could we do to partner more effectively with them? That feedback, those, those, those notes that we took were just amazingly, you know, strong breadcrumbs for leading us to new directions. I, I, I will share this with you too. It was heartwarming to hear CEO after CEO identify USI as a strong partner, identify USI's graduates as beyond competent and beyond skilled, but truly strong in the area of leadership, providing great you know, stewardship within their organizations. And so I'll tell you, you know, I really believe that it is incumbent upon me to learn more about what the needs are and also to teach the faculty and staff here so we can become more responsive to those needs as we serve the state, as we serve this region, of course, but as we serve the state and beyond. That is our job. That 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 is our mantra. That is what we live by and what we're proud of. Talk about business. Certainly education, you know, higher education is a business, yes. always has been a business, but nowadays the comp- talk about the competitive landscape. We hear so much about, you know, the the enrollment cliff and in the 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 fight as you mentioned to get students, but also retain students. That competitive landscape. How how challenging is it? And what do you do or need to do as a president, USI as uni- university, to be competitive in this environment? Wow, that's a huge question, yeah. and it's a real issue, uh, as you already know. I- I'll tell you, one of my colleagues, uh, Dr. Shelley Blunt. She's our interim provost right now. Her son, Ben, brilliant young man, this kid, uh, I love him. I, I just love him to life. He actually had 80 different universities approaching him about coming to their school. Wow. Strong, strong student, you know, strong candidate, well, just well, well prepared. But think about that. 80 different universities, you know, going after this kid. You know, he lives in Southwest Indiana. And so when you talk about competition, I mean, we, we really see other institutions in our backyard that we've never seen before. You know, the, 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 the digital outreach that's available for students now is, 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 is unmatched in many ways if campuses are not resourced well and are prepared to actually compete in that landscape. And then, oh, by the way, the other piece is this. What are you doing that's uniquely distinctive to make yourself um, a bit more brighter in the sky, if you will, you know, for these 18-year-olds. You know, I, I am trying to convince an 18-year-old that this is a space for you to come and thrive and, and succeed. This is a brand new, very unchartered kind of a competition that you speak of, and it's real. Yeah. You mentioned brightness in the sky. It made me think about something I've read that USI is up to, and that's the solar eclipse. Yeah. Next year, 
Uh, and I know folks around the state are making plans to do some things around it, but April 8th of next year, the campus there is really going to be direct path, right, of the solar eclipse. And yes, you're really sir. going to promote that. It's going to be a big, you got 1,400 acres of yes. unobstructed views, yes. three minutes at 2.02 in the afternoon, we'll go dark That's for three right. minutes. So it's going to be a big party down there, right? <laughs> it is. You know, if you recall, the last eclipse, man, we had, our quad was filled. Community members, high schoolers, middle schoolers, elementary school kids, teachers, families, you know, so we are prepared even more you know, with regard to this next uh, solar palooza, if you will. <laughs> we are excited about having folks on our campus, you know, really, you know, bringing the community together, community together, but also just understand the significance of what this means, for, you know, for our nation and also for this particular day. I'm, I'm excited about USI hosting uh, this solar eclipse right here on campus proper. Yes, sir. Yeah. As you look at, again, increasing profile of the university, I can't think of too many things that perhaps have been more uh, helpful to that process than the uh, the move from Division Two athletics to Division One, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I tell you right now, this was a this was a significant lift for the campus. We vetted the university and the community really, really well, and um, I'm excited to tell you that we are now beyond year one of our probationary period. As you already know, there's a a four year period where you cannot compete nationally for championships, but we can compete within our own conference. Our student body is excited. You know, I'll tell you right now, as I mentioned before, you know, I'm going to the, uh, the women's volleyball game in just a few hours. It has been, um, it's been wonderful, you know, to have faculty and staff and students and alumni just take pause, watching our, our student athletes compete on ESPN2, or, or plus, excuse me, last, last season, Gary, we were actually invited on ESPNU, not once, but twice. You know, giving us a national platform so folks can actually begin to say, you know, not where is USI? Right. I know where it is. I yeah. understand. Oh, by the way, guess what? I go there. I'm proud of this institution. I'm proud of of the legacy and the and the academics that they're producing. Let me let me say one other thing with regard to Division One. If you look at our students right now with regard to academic performance, retention, and successful matriculation, our student athletes lead the pack in this category. They are scholar athletes. Not student athletes, scholar athletes doing amazingly well. Yeah, and when you talk about the impact uh, of Division One athletics from a recruitment standpoint, it's got to be a huge, a huge bump there in terms of uh, your efforts to attract those best and brightest minds from not only the region but but from around the country. You know, let's be honest with each other. You and I both know this. You want to when you tell your friends where you're going to school, you, you want them to to light up as well. Not just you lighting up. But then the light up, right? You know, there's a pride point with regard to that letter of acceptance, with regard to attending, with regard to successful matriculation, with regard to walking across that stage and shaking the president's hand. Because I shake every hand, I'm smiling, and, and I'm proud. I'm proud of the work that they have done with our faculty and staff to reach this, this amazing moment. Yeah. Uh, you talk about the process, though. I mean, it was a heavy lift. You know, not an easy thing to do, you know, to, to to make that application and make that a successful endeavor. What was the thought process as you went, uh, as you recall, as you went through that to decide, you know, do we really want to do this? What are the benefits, you know, the pros and cons? What was that process like? You know, well, you know, I got to tell you, you know, the, the 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 best news of this is that we were invited, number one, to uh, to join the Ohio Valley Conference. When I met with the commissioner, she and I sat down with uh, John Mark Hall, our athletic director, and uh, she brought a couple of the colleagues 
And, and Gary, you know, the thing that blew me away is how much she knew about our university campus, about our academic performance, about our infrastructure, about our facilities. Uh, she had actually gone out to the community and identified key people to talk to about our relationship with the community. All of these factors meant a great deal to the OVC. And so I'll tell you right now that it was an opportunity for me to come back, report to my board of trustees, identify a conversation that we can have about this possibility and begin to lay out a method that would be beneficial for this institution with transparency and also with uh, with with great, great acumen, understanding exactly what we would be would be walking into and then also understanding the process of, of what we would need to do for the next four years as well. Uh, there was a lot of of of, uh, of major decisions that that went into this, as you can imagine. Our our trustees voted unanimously, mm-hmm. including our student trustee, to move in this direction. But I'm really proud of the process that we implemented that involved many many constituent groups all across this university campus and the community outside as well. Yeah, I think the Ohio Ohio Valley Conference tournament has been in Evansville. If I or, yeah. or, right down at the Ford yeah. Center. Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm looking forward to us advancing in that tournament. Get um, in there, in yeah. Which, yeah. Yeah. In a way, which my my colleague presidents will say, Ron, no more. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Hey, and, and you know, because I know Evansville in the region has really looked at using sports and leveraging sports as an economic development uh, tool, youth sports, as well as uh, you know events there at the Ford Center. I've got to assume that USI's elevation to division one can potentially, you know, enhance or add to that whole, that whole sports strategy in, in the region. Without question, you know, we all understand the significance of, of, of basketball in the state of Indiana, both women's and men's. And so having the Ford Center, having members of other communities from Kentucky, from Illinois, from Tennessee, from Ohio, you know, visiting and coming here to participate, not only in a tournament, but, but also you know, witnessing what's happening in Evansville, you know, yeah. looking at our downtown, enjoying our restaurants and our, our views going along the Ohio River. All of these are just amazing sound bites that that just that open the eyes and the minds of families and say, listen, when we when we take a weekend for a holiday, why not go to Evansville? And so it's fun. It's amazingly humble. It's a humbled opportunity for USA to be a part of that equation. And that's what we are. We are a, a part a significant part of USI's, I'm sorry, of Evansville's story. And, and we're going to go to break here in a minute, but I do want to mention, because you've mentioned it to me, how grateful you are at the support that USI, that the institution is getting from, from Indiana as a whole, from the state as a whole, that support. Yes, sir. You know, I, I tell you, this this biennial period alone, we received the highest appropriation in the in the history of our university. This occurred because of the faculty and staff that provide stories to me and my colleagues as we go to Indianapolis to meet with members of the General Assembly. To, 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 you know, listen, it is important that we are good stewards of resources, but also we need to be stewards of impact. You know, making sure that the taxpayer, they are understanding exactly how those dollars are impacting the state. Return on that investment, helping our students leave here and become uh, phenomenal citizens that are contributing to the to the well-being of our of our great state. Much more with University of Southern Indiana President Dr. Ron Roshan when we return. We'll talk about uh, Ron Roshan, the early years growing up and his path to uh, Southwest Indiana. That's when the Business and Beyond podcast returns.
Legacy Bank, we're committed to making a difference in the lives of our customers and communities by helping them move forward financially. As a Main Street Bank, we try to do right by our customers with every encounter. Our local teams offer personalized financial advice to help guide you in making the best decision. We're proud to be part of your community. PNC Bank. See how we can make a difference for you at PNC.com. Copyright 2022, the PNC Financial Services Group Bank. All rights reserved. Welcome back to the Business and Beyond podcast presented by PNC. My guest this week is the president of the University of Southern Indiana, Dr. Ron Rashan. And Ron, I want to talk a little bit about your path to uh, to Evansville. You are a Chicago native, right? Talk about uh, growing up in Chicago. Born and raised in Chicago. I'm, I listen, I am a proud product of the South Side of Chicago. My mom and dad, uh, they they raised me and my my younger sister, my younger brother, you know, in this uh, this little house that that we called a home, and um, I'm just uh, I'm I'm blessed, you know, to be to be a product of that community. Um, I miss it dearly, but uh, but I am truly, if you like me, it's because of Chicago. It's because of my family, without question. That's great. We'll talk about the experience of growing up in Chicago back in the day and what that was like. What uh, were you were a sports guy, academic guy, music guy? What 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 was your uh, kind of what was your vibe back then? You know, I was a shy guy. That's what I was. You, know? not, you were a shy oh, guy. Now, that's I really was. It's, it's unbelievable for folks, you know, because I, I run my mouth so much now. But <laughs> but I am. Um, but I was extremely shy. My mother could predict the time the door would unlock every single day, um, just minutes after classes were over. I came home, you know, Johnny on the spot every, or I should say, Ronnie on the spot <laughs> every single day. Um, I grew up in a household with a with a police officer. You know, my father was a Chicago cop you know, um, for his life um, in, in raising us. My mother worked lots of different uh, different jobs to help ends meet. Uh, I was, I was, I'm the oldest of three. And uh, my father, you know, he, he ran a pretty tight ship, Gary. Um, you did not play with, uh, with, with Alphonse Rochon. He was a very <laughs> serious-minded human being, and he held compliance at the top of the shelf every day with regard oh. to our behavior. I told folks, you know, it's funny because I, I told folks, you know, my father was extremely stoic and, uh, had very few words to say, um, and he had two emotions. My father was either pissed or real pissed. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I just would never forget, you know, that that Mr. Roshan, you know, he held the line. And and I'll tell you right now, quite honestly, I'm I'm thankful for my father. I, I love my father dearly. He's still alive. My mother's in heaven. My father lives in Arizona now. Um, he is um, always complaining about the heat, but uh, but he he's enjoying his life. He 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 does yard work to this day and. Uh, I am just thankful for this man being an example of what of what manhood looked like for me, what yeah. uh, hard work looked like for me, um, and also what discipline looked like for me. He was my example without question. Yeah, I was going to ask you about role models. Sounds like uh, to be sure, to be certain, your dad certainly was a role model. He, he really was. You know, he um, like I said, you know, he didn't. I didn't understand why he did not talk much until I became an adult and and began to understand how tough his job really was. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, and. And 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 doing that job and and keeping us safe and keeping us healthy and listen, I, I'll tell you right now, I went to Catholic school. My I did, my brother and my sister did, you know. And now that I'm a father, I know for sure we could not afford it. My father and mother made sacrifices for us to go uh, to this school, both elementary and high school. Mm, and yeah. um, you know, when you think about the kinds of sacrifices your parents make for you to get where you are today, you don't really understand that until you become a parent yourself. Yeah. So when I tell you, man, I, I listen, Allison and Alphonse Rochon, man, they they are my hero and shero. Uh, they truly are 
the reason why I sit here today in this role as president. Uh, I'm thankful for their love and their concern and, and most importantly, their non-negotiable attitudes toward education. My parents never made college an option for me or my siblings. It was not up for discussion. Uh, they were not able to go. They didn't have the resources to go themselves. I, I was the first one in my family to go to college. But my mom and dad made it very clear that um, you want to live in this house, you want to inhale this oxygen, you will go to college. <laughs> so so, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm very fortunate, sir. So very that fortunate. is that uh, kind of what led you on the path to, to education? Or when did, when did you kind of figure out that was your... Well, that was your. That's a great question. Fact, it's yeah. a long story, but I'll, I'll give you a soundbite. You know, I wanted to be a veterinarian. That's all I wanted to really? do. Really? Yeah. Oh God, I love I love animals to this day, but it's all I wanted to do with my life. And uh, I went to school. I, I majored in animal sciences not once but twice. I did at Tuskegee wow. University, historically black college in, in Alabama, and then I did a master's in uh, reproductive physiology and animal sciences at Illinois in Champaign. Oh, that, and, now uh, those I, now, and and for those who don't know. Those are those are very challenging fields. I mean, oh, that's yeah, oh, that's it's not with science. That's all it is. <laughs> it is science everywhere. Um, and I miss science. I love science. I, I became a bench scientist when I got my master's degree and I, I went to really work. wow. Oh yeah. I worked at the University of Chicago. Um, I was actually applying all the work that I was doing with with rabbits and pigs and chickens, you know, with 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 humans as it pertained to as it pertained to uh, to fertilization and and uh, and 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 having having a child. And yeah. so working with docs at the University of Chicago Hospital. And it just changed my life, you know, opening new doors for me. But I ended up going back to Illinois years later after working at Chicago. And uh, I, I decided to take a, a path into educational policy. I I fell in love with education while I was working and I, while I was living, you know, back at home in Chicago. And um, I really believe uh, back then and to this day that 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 educational opportunity transforms lives. It gives you the door and the key, you know, to seeing what your purpose and what your passion really is and what it could be and how you can serve others. And so when I tell you that this is my calling, you know, being in this role, working with faculty and staff every day, meeting with students, walking across this campus, shaking their hands and listening to what they want to do to serve our nation and the globe. It makes, listen, my optimism is, is so extremely high every single day because of these students that I'm blessed to work with on a daily basis myself. Yeah. You know, Judah, it's what been one of the challenges for Indiana is that educational uh, attainment. And, uh, you know, a lot of people working on that now to get Indiana to that uh, goal. I think it's, uh, you know, two thirds of the population with, uh, you know, post high school education. That's what you're talking about. Uh, do you think culturally the state of Indiana is is beginning to realize uh, what you just talked about there, and that uh, is education opening the key to the future. I, I hope so. I, I really do. I, I fundamentally believe that there there's a connectedness with regard to those those avenues. I, listen, I tell you right now, I'm a, a man of faith. I, I believe in church, and I I was raised that way, and so I believe that church is a sacred space. But I also, Gary, I believe that that classrooms are a sacred space. Also, I think that magic happens within classrooms. You know, I think that light bulbs go on, not off. You know, you see purpose and passion and ability. Uh, you see futures in classrooms with with great faculty, great great teachers. There, listen. You know, I should share this share this with you. But um, I love the faculty at the universities. But but with, without pre K twelve teachers, there are no university faculty. Uh, teachers are are to be are to be honored, to be respected, uh, to to be to be honed in on. You know these. These individuals have access to our children, our greatest resource the nation can ever produce. 
And so we need to take a moment to give them thanks each and every day for the work that they do to serve our children. Mm-hmm. I believe in teaching. I believe in classrooms. I really do. I, if you can't feel their passion, wake up, everybody. <laughs> That's good. Well, what's next for USI? You've got a lot going on there. You mentioned the big appropriation from, from the state that's enabled some some building on campus. Uh, you've got a great, uh, pretty campus down there. What's next for USI? You know, one of the things I'm excited about, I, I mentioned this earlier about my own background, but I'm really working hard with our faculty and with other members of the community on building uh, a greater agricultural opportunity for USI. Interesting. You know, we're yeah. surrounded by farms everywhere. Yeah. Bring the, the intellectual development and, and, and know-how for farmers to continue to advance their craft is something I find to be extremely important. You know, I think that quite often people think, you know, about crops and they think about livestock only. But, but agriculture is an industry that, that this nation is, is forever dependent on, our history as well as our future. Mm-hmm. Each and every day we eat, you know, we're eating plant-based or, or either, either, you know, animal-based, you know, products. You know, how do we market this? You know, how do we produce it? You know, how, how do we sustain it? How do we provide the best caloric intake on a daily basis? This is all agriculture. Mm-hmm. You know, so finding ways in which we can develop something here uniquely at USI in support of the state is something I'm very, very much, very much interested in. And, and as you, I think, probably know, you know, that's certainly a focus of the state. Agrinovis, Indiana, a number of universities, uh, you know, obviously Purdue, the best example, but but universities really beginning to engage more in that area. Can that be a focus area? That'd be a shining star, if you will, potentially for USI down the road? Without question. And, and what you're talking about is, is application, you know, it's kind of integrated uh, practice-based uh, work and return on investment. You know, Purdue University is is our shining star with regard to agriculture when it comes to this hardcore research one, you know, kinds of, you know, input and output. USI, you know, we are a teaching applied research institution. And so finding ways in which we can, you know, keep, you know, keep within our lane and, and serve and, and even partner with Purdue and other kinds of agricultural based um, entities across the state is something that I believe USI would do very effectively. We are nimble. Uh, we are lean. We can pivot quickly and easily, and we want to serve. Dr. Ron Roshan, the president of the University of Southern uh, Indiana, it's been a real treat to, to catch up with you. Your passion is obvious and infectious, and I know it's leading to uh, even more great things there in Southwest Indiana. Really appreciate you taking the time. Listen, let me just say thank you so much to you personally. You are an amazing interviewer. You are fun to talk to, and I, I love being in your space, sir. Thanks for this invitation. And USI, on behalf of this university, we all thank you as well for your work. That's great. And we're going to uh, follow the uh, Screaming Eagles, too, in Division One competition. So we'll yes, be sir. rooting for you there, too, as well. <laughs> Go Screaming Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Dr. Ron Rashan, the president of the University of Southern Indiana, my guest this week on the Business and Beyond podcast. We are a weekly conversation with achievers in business, sports, uh, entertainment, and beyond. And you can download all of our episodes and get Indiana Business News 24-7. All you have to do is go to InsideIndianaBusiness.com. I'm Gary Dick. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.